Hi, my name is Leda. I'm the founder of Dietitian Your Weight, a dietitian network empowering dietitians and nourishing communities. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Brianne Brathwaite. She is a dietitian and is a heart and soul of behind authentic living nutrition. She offers personalized nutrition coaching, lectures, workshops, and programs centered on authenticity and healing relationships with food. Brianne is the proudly owner and CEO and founder of Eat for Success. Thank you so much for hopping on with me. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. I'm like nice. my, my happy space. I always love talking with amazing people such as yourself. Thank you. Thank you. So Brianne, tell me a little bit about your path on becoming a dietitian. Let's take it way, way back before we come into the future. All right, way back. Um, <laughs> dietitian. So I want to put it out there that like I did not know that I wanted to be a dietitian until like basically my sophomore year of college. Before I was very hell bent on being a forensic scientist, like nobody oh. could change my mind until one day in class they're like, and this is a cadaver. And I was like, and this is me getting up, walking to the registrar's <laughs> office and asking for any other major that's a science major because there is no way on God's green earth, we will be sitting through this. Um, so that was very short-lived. I realized that what I really wanted to do was just explore. So I took a leave of absence. Mm -hmm. I went to a community college, which by the way, I almost cried when I saw the tuition because I was like, this is such a drastic step. And I took any course I was interested in. And I remember it was my nutrition course and my teacher drew a really cute pear on the board. And it was at that point where I was like, yep, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm drawing. I love that. I mean, it wasn't like I, I fell in love with like nutrition science. It was literally my teacher drew a pear on the board. And that was like my response to it. Then every science class that I found highly unattainable when I was a forensic science major, I realized I still had to do, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I learned to love science through doing something that I felt really spoke to me. And I went back to my college and I got my bachelor's and then I got my master's in nutrition and genetics. And wow. since then I've been a eating disorder dietitian Okay. I have worked in every level of care and that really is my calling. Like I realized that that was my calling and it brings me so much joy to, to be in that field. It's tough, but it's definitely fulfilling. What are the tough parts that you would say is tough about this field or your career? Um. Okay. So I think one of the toughest parts about being a dietitian is, and what I've noticed is, is that there is a lack of respect from other professionals sometimes. And so that was tough for me before going into yeah. eating disorder field, because there, I believe that dietitians really have a louder and more recognized voice. Yeah. I think in regards to finding a space for our expertise that is almost, you know, one of the largest steps to recovery for a person who is struggling with eating disorders or disordered eating. And so really having someone listening to you, I think yeah. on the flip side, we don't really get a lot of advice on psychology as a dietitian. No. So mm -hmm. you are learning on the go. You are learning all the terminology. You're learning all of the, you know, DSM-5. Diagnose codes. Yeah. 
codes and then how they present. And it is, it's, you're constantly learning as a dietitian. However, what I will say is, is that once you do get to a place of feeling like, okay, I have enough understanding of the baseline concepts, then it's really amazing the things that you can do when nutrition and psychology come together. And how did you gravitate towards the eating disorders uh, field of dietetics? Oh, I didn't. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I did not. Actually, in the middle of the pandemic was when I finished my internship. And that was when nobody knew what was happening. And the only places that were hiring were residential treatment centers for eating disorders because they were still going. Well, I mean, yeah, you have to, right? Right. Like they didn't stop. I mean, hospitals, the same thing. But I think at that point, like some people were just lucky to have a job Mm -hmm. in that sphere. But um, there was a residential treatment center that was near me that was hiring. I applied, even though I really didn't particularly know everything at that time. Yeah. Um, I took Jessica Sutnick's, who's an amazing friend, mentor, and um, amazing dietitian boot camp. That was like three days because I was like, I need to know something about something I don't know. Yeah. And I was just thrown in. And luckily, eating disorder dietitian. Okay. And luckily, I had an amazing supervisor um, who's actually now a part of my business today. Her name is nice. Janessa Slackley, and she's she's amazing, amazing human, amazing everything. So I was able to get the best guidance possible. Amazing. Yeah, because it's a very, I think, unless you kind of bump into it or I, I just don't feel like you know straight out of school do you get that exposure to be an eating disorder dietitian either you have to know somebody who's already in it you bump into it or something like that right um because I honestly didn't even think about that until ooh, maybe three or four years after I got out of school um probably even later yeah. it's a very very cool field to get into and the psychology part is so important too right I think um <clears throat> do you guys practice like intuitive eating or or what is the practice behind it I think intuitive eating is one of the tools that can be used I think now it really is so individualized to the person and what their specific um diagnosis or or you know what's going on with them so I think it's really important for us not to put these big labels on how people should eat even if it Mm -hmm. isn't eating I think that's definitely a tool that's used I think what we're looking and what we're seeing at this point is just that like everyone will be different will have a path and we're really meant not to provide a solution, but to guide alongside a solution, if that makes sense. So it's definitely become a very like introspective, critical thinking. Yeah. Something that's not very, you know, we're not taught to be that way when we graduate from our program. So it's definitely a lot of learning on the job. I can see that for sure. I want to talk a little bit about your master's because that's a very, very specific and very unique master's. You have so many unique experiences as a dietitian. What was that like? Yeah. So it's not offered anymore at the University of New Haven, but it was offered. And yeah, it was a human nutrition master's with a genetics concentration. So we really went into like genes, how they intersect with nutrition, uh, a lot of cellular molecular biology courses, a lot of Fun. informatics, some coding. So 
that was like a very invaluable experience just because it really like speaks to a lot of what we know and what's coming that like genetics are really going to be the wave of the future and are really a blueprint for so many things. So it was good to get that experience. Do you use that in like your, I guess not maybe not eating disorders, but I guess as a, as a dietitian, do you ever use that information in any of your sessions or in your life? <laughs> I have used that information. Shortly after I did that master's degree, I worked for a genetics company that created mm-hmm based on your SNPs or your single polymorphism nucleotide. I think I said that wrong. The SNPs? I don't even know how I'm remembering this. Single nucleotide polymorphisms. (laughs) Sorry, I was like- We're going way back into school. I haven't taken these kinds of courses in 10 years. (laughs) But speaking of, in terms of that, looking at those can tell you likeliness for things like diabetes, likeliness for things Um, in terms of like, are you going to be sensitive to caffeine? Are you not? And the way that it's transcribed can help a dietitian potentially look at an eating plan or look at a lifestyle change and say, hey, you know, A, does this match up? And B, if it does, then we might want to look a different way. And so I was able to create their entire nutrition catalog Wow. And it was fun. And that sounds intense. So, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> it was a lot of work. I was lucky to have te- a team behind me, but it definitely was one of those things where I learned that, like, although it's not 100%, you know, we all have recessive and dominant genes. So how it's expressed can be turned on mean? by environmental factors. So it's not a complete science. But sometimes it can be really helpful just to see baseline what your genes are saying and what's expressed, what's not expressed. That's amazing. That is so cool. I I don't think I've seen a dietitian kind of work in that space. Um, if you know of anybody, let me know because it'd be cool to bring them on. But that is pretty, pretty crazy, pretty wild. I mean, that would change uh, medical nutrition therapy, I feel like, drastically. Like how there are people who may not react to certain medications. Um, as well as others, right? Wow. It definitely, there's a group of people who probably practice this every day who are more knowledgeable than I am, but definitely just having the insight to say a lot of things are really genetic and working on, you know, what does that look like for our quality of life and how to explain that to our clients. Very, very cool. What are you doing now? What am I doing now? (laughs) Okay, so I have my own private practice, Eat for Success. Eat stands for Education, Awareness, and Transformation. And I am also an authenticity coach. It's exciting because I think that my work with eating disorders as an eating disorder dietitian directly falls into my authenticity coaching. After a client becomes more comfortable with food, then there's a bit of an identity shift. Like if I am no longer experiencing life with this relationship with food, then who am I? And I will say my journey to becoming an authenticity coach has been absolutely like I I have no explanation for it. I, (laughs) I mean, I would love to tell you that like one day I had this brilliant idea and I sat down and I got working towards it and it's been my life's work. But like, it, I, I really, 
I think it all started after I graduated grad school mm-hmm. and I became a dietitian. Mm-hmm. I had worked through all of those goals for so long. Yeah. My next logical thought process was like, oh, I'm going to get my PhD. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, of course, I looked into it. I'm like, I could do it. And then it got time to apply. And I really had to think about, am I really willing to make a five-year commitment because mm-hmm. that's what the school I, I was looking at was going to be. Once it dawned on me that I wasn't sure what I wanted, it really started to tear away at my self-confidence in a way that I felt like, wow, like what I achieve or achievement really falls so closely to my worth. Mm-hmm. And yeah. realistically, like there's going to be a time in my life where I don't achieve. Like I didn't know what to do with yeah. myself. There's no assignments. There's no school. There's no goals. There's no short-term there's no goals. goals. Like, yeah. oh, I can have a business, but like, yeah. what is that? <laughs> like, yeah. It was a lot. And so I started this very intense self-love journey I where it. I started doing and saying things that I would never do and say. Like I what? started a season of yes. That was the first thing I said this year. I'm saying yes to everything. I don't care if someone's with me. I don't care if I have a friend to go with me. I don't care. If I see something and I want to go, it's a yes. And I'm bringing myself there on my own. And I'm going to be. I'm going to be there and I'm going to enjoy. What experiences have you had doing that? Because that's pretty cool. I went to an art um, show on my own. And I had the most amazing time. I've gone to concerts on my own. I've taken myself out to dinner. I've gone to movies, anything that you can do. I've traveled to Costa Rica by myself. Wow. Yeah. I've, I've gone on a road trip by myself. I just started to realize that like there was peace in being, there Mm -hmm. was peace in my authentic self. And as I was doing all these things, I just started writing them down. It started as like a little notes column in my phone, just like, you know, standing in the shopping like line. And I'm like, okay, like, what did we learn? And essentially it came back to these 10 principles that I took out of what really made this experience Mm-hmm. worth it, but also what really guided me to my truest self. And after I had that, I had about 17 Google Doc pages wow. um, of just random stuff. And I was like, I should probably organize it. And then I put it on Canva and I started decorating it. And this took a year. Like, wow. it was a very slow process. And keep in mind, I have no business writing a book. Like, I'm not a distinguished writer. This has never been my thing. Like, I have always just been a more like, I want to do things hands-on person rather than like writing. And then all of a sudden, I'm really excited for this. Yeah. This arrived. Look how nice. The recipe for authentic living. I love it. A self-help cookbook. Cookbook. That's so cool. So yeah. So basically what it is, and this is really bad because I'm blurred, but I'm (laughs) going to try to show you. So what it is, is it goes through what I've distinguished as the 10, the 10 principles of authentic living. Yes. And basically each one has an activity for you to do. Okay. And then it has a corresponding recipe that kind of like solidifies the lessons that you'll learn. 
Um, and so this is just the prototype. I printed it out myself, um, I but I that. am, you know, and then there's like a little bit of a coloring page at the back. Oh, but. I love that. It's such an interactive book. What kind of recipes do you have on there? Like, I, can you like share with us a little bit about maybe like one of the principles and one of the recipes? Like, yeah, I'm very curious. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, one of, I'll, so I'll share with you the first principle. Okay. which is grant unconditional permission, you are limitless. And it really talks about how we are taught from a very young age to ask for permission. And then as we get older, we're somehow handed this discernment or this responsibility of permission, but we're not used to granting it without <laughs> concepts like societal concepts, yeah. what's right versus wrong, what's good versus yeah. bad. And so we tend to look at like our colleagues and our friends and all the other outside sources for these permissions. And very oftentimes, a lot of these permissions don't actually align with who we are, yeah. who we want to be. Yeah. So then we're stuck, yep. we're stuck in this place. And it's so hard to fight against those places because we feel isolated. And in most times, like sometimes it is truly isolation. Yeah. you don't follow <laughs> what yep. is normal, then you can't hang with us. Like yep. it's almost it's, going against the grain sometimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's really hard for just to tell someone like, yeah, just stop. Just, just turn your whole life around. <laughs> but what really, what really helped me is the concept of permission slips. And that was like really taking three things each week that you feel like you no longer want to grant permission to um and you're now granting permission to yourself unconditionally so that could look like i give myself permission to prioritize my mental and emotional well-being even wow. if that means breaking my usual routines or habits right i and, love that that spoke that, to me <laughs> that i'm taking back and so <laughs> like yeah you can you can write in here you can write your own permission slips and then as for the recipes so the recipe for that is unconditional permission pancakes. Oh. And it's because when I think about a pancake, I really think about how there's unlimited top toppings. Mm -hmm. Nobody can tell you how to make your pancake. Yeah. You can put whatever you want in it. <laughs> yeah. And there's always a note at the end of the recipe. And it says, these pancakes represent the idea of unconditional permission by allowing you to fully enjoy them in your own way without judgment or limitations. Remember, you have the freedom to make choices that bring you joy and happiness. Enjoy your unconditional permission pancakes. Oh, I love that. I think so many people would, so much from that. I think there's just so much depth to people. But I think when we are so influenced by external factors, that depth is taken away and people don't really know how to be their own selves. And I think we are in that era right now, right? Where people are now kind of like awakening, like, okay, like it's okay to be myself, right? Mm -hmm. But I still think that some people um, or a lot of people, you know, do need that extra guidance and that help to to get them and bring them to themselves. I love it. I love it. I love it. And when you look back on your book, like you, if whether you get the PDF and you write this down in a journal or you buy the actual book, like you have an entire script of you being your authentic self. And it's like, if Love you this. this, then like that might give you the power to make little steps towards that freedom. Yes, yes. And really living your own 
life's path and what it's supposed to be or what it is that you want it to be. But the, I think it's so funny because I think, you know, it's like you said, though, like everybody, you know, after they have accomplished that, that those goals that they set in mind, it's like, what now? Like, I've done everything that I was supposed to do. What now? And it's that question mark. I went through that my own self. Um, and I remember feeling like a, a deep despair, a deep like emptiness of like, what now? <laughs> you know? And at that age, I was like probably my very early 20s. And um, without any guidance or anything like that, it's really difficult to to go through that, you know? So yeah, I think any, everybody could benefit from your book. Definitely. Yeah. And I love how it, it basically comes from your, it just comes from your soul. Like it just your your energy is so welcoming inviting you know we met through some mutual friends but from the get-go you were very just easy and genuine and authentic and just welcoming you know something that you don't see a lot of today so thank you because you've been a huge support from the very beginning um from dietitian your way and and for me as well just as a from human to human um so i appreciate you yeah, I appreciate you too. And I think like this always rings to me, like your capacity to hold space for others is your capacity to hold space for yourself. So when people ask me like, why would I even do this work? I'm like, because when you find that love and compassion for yourself, when you work through all of the different parts, and even if you don't work through it and you're just acknowledging that they're there, you are now able to have a different outlook on people like unconditional permission for me means that I can allow people to also have unconditional permission right because I understand that but if I have some like very like strict rules about myself then it might come out in bias to other people yeah and it's like you know you can only give the freedom you have right like yeah you can only make space if you have space to make yeah and so I think it's so important to do this work because it it really goes into your life. It goes into your friendships. It goes into your work. It goes into yeah. how you attract your clients. It goes into all of that. So where can we buy this book? Because this is an amazing book and I would love for everybody to buy it, including myself. <laughs> yeah. So we will definitely be having links to buy it on our Instagram, which is eat.a dot t for success on our website which is www.eatforsuccess.com and then also on dietitian your way nice yeah so and then what's the timeline uh, for the book is it um already like purchasable or is there some time before you um launch it yeah, so there will be some time before i launch it obviously this is a self-published endeavor yeah <laughs> so I just want to make sure that everything is there. However, it is an interactive journal and I would love to be able to give a hard copy. We might start off with PDF copies, but the, the idea is for it to be able to be shipped out and sent to those that want it. Right. So we will be getting that together very soon. I love it. And do you offer like coaching as well, like one-on-one -on -one, uh, with people, with dietitians? Like who's your target customer? So it's kind of interesting to have a target customer for authenticity. Like mm -hmm. how do I decide who deserves authenticity? I right. don't. I'm not the judge. Right. So it's for everyone. I will say that my past clients 
for this coaching have been clients who, as I said, it goes hand in hand with when you're further along in your recovery from an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I've also had a lot of dietitians as clients. Nice. I have one right now. And I can totally see if you're thinking of going into a private practice, if you have a private practice, if you're even in one of those situations where you're questioning even being a dietitian, like this is the best time to do it because then it just reaffirms your true path. And so I do do that one-on-one coaching. I'm hoping to get a group together. That would be amazing to have an authenticity group. This is, of course, like one of, this is my life's work, I would say. It will be here. I just would like people to really explore that for themselves. It's really invaluable. I agree. Okay, so you offer coaching and we're going to get this book published pretty soon. Is there any other service that you offer? Yes. So aside from that, as I said, I do have a uh, private practice that focuses on healing your relationship with food. I will say, especially for like BIPOC communities, Mm -hmm. I will go outside of that niche and I will really do any kind of general nutrition because I think it's really important that people have access to people who look like them. And that is historically not the case. Seeing as though Black dietitians are about 3% of the field, there's that. And then also I do G6PD deficiency nutrition. I myself have G6PD deficiency, and I'm sure that if there's one thing we learned about in our classes, it was probably fava beans and how basically I can die by death by bean. Exciting, right? No, actually, so let's go into that a little bit deeper because it's been like many, many years. And the G6PD, when you mentioned that um, offline, I was like, is that an enzyme? Like for some reason, that's what's jogging in my head, but I don't remember what exactly that is. So do you mind telling us? So G6PD is a deficiency in an enzyme, the glucose 6-phosphate enzyme. And so that's in the phosphate path. And that's basically in the place of like, the issue is, is that, and I'm trying not to get too sciencey to compete. The (laughs) issue, the issue is, is that when you lack that enzyme, your body is unable to reduce glutathione, which is a potent antioxidant that helps deal with any kind of oxidative stress that can come from like smoking, drinking, over-exercising, certain foods that just put more stress on the body than others, certain compounds, medications, all of that. And genuinely, most people who don't have G6PD have no problem breaking these things down. However, when you're G6PD deficient, that means that you have a really hard time with those compounds. And those compounds become triggers, one of them being fava beans. And what can happen is, is when your body encounters a trigger, it triggers hemolysis at some points. There is a threshold. Red blood cells. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the dying of the red blood cells. And so if you think of what that is, then you're basically like your body's not getting oxygen. It's really intense disease, but I will also say that you can avoid your triggers and have a very like normal for whatever that means like yeah, I was gonna um, say normal <laughs> <laughs> like it's not necessarily a um everyday thing however there are different levels to G6PD so okay. you can have mild to moderate which is you could even 
encounter some of the triggers or some of the things that are known to be triggers and probably yeah. be okay. You might just have like very minimal sy symptoms like brain fog, fatigue. And then you could also have the worst case scenario, which is chronic G6PD, which is you wouldn't even have to encounter a trigger for you to have that reaction. And oh so that's a hospital bit. Uh, you know, the only thing that they can do is give you a blood transfusion to replenish things, but there's no cure for it. So it definitely is a spectrum. <laughs> how do people get diagnosed with this? Like, how do people encounter this in the first place? Because I feel okay. like there's probably a lot of people walking around with this that don't know about this. So, yes, it is a genetic condition. That's the first thing. And the second thing is there are a lot of people walking around who don't know. And they probably won't know because, as I said, even if you inhabit some of the triggers, like if you don't have a severe case, you could probably be ingesting them. You might feel a little off, but like who doesn't feel brain fog nowadays? Like we have so many yeah. things going on that like yeah. bombarded headache, brain fog. You're not gonna be like, oh, that's my G6PD. Especially <laughs> um, <laughs> if you don't know you have it. I will say that the G6PD foundation, which I'm a part of, actually got New York to screen babies for G6PD. Amazing. And so now a lot more cases are being diagnosed, which is great because if you know this from earlier on, you can kind of investigate and avoid the triggers. Whereas if you're like me and you don't know and you ingest a trigger, then you can find yourself three days later in the hospital for four days and the doctors are like, what's going on with her? And nobody knows. And then finally, one doctor goes, it might be G6PD. Was it the same hospital or did you have to go from like physician no, to physician? No, it was the same hospital. Oh, okay. I, the, symptoms, the symptoms like at that point, you know, once they saw like the low red blood count, red blood cell count, they were like, okay. But again, like that probably could have been prevented if my mom had known that there were certain things that I wasn't supposed to be ingesting. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it's it's definitely you can live with it. I'm not like dying faster than the rest yeah. of us. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, when it is in that active state, it's extremely scary and there is no way to stop the, okay. the hemolysis. It really ends up being like how fast your body can pass the trigger. And if you're like me, where I do feel, I can feel brain fog coming on if I, you know, engage and have certain, you know, things going on in my life, or if I have a lot of oxidative stress. So yeah, it's definitely, we're working on some exciting things with the foundation, definitely more education for healthcare providers, because this is going to continue to grow. And also more of like, what on the dietitian side do we suggest? And yeah. also another part of Eat for Success, I do take on clients who do have G6PD deficiency. Okay. And I feel like you're probably like one of the very few dietitians who does G6PD, right? I haven't met one, but it'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, amazing. You should probably have a Facebook group just on that. You have everybody. Yeah. Because I mean, it's, that's a very specific condition I had, I never, ever heard about um, in my yeah. 10 years. And it's definitely idea. more nutrition related than we were led to wow. believe in school. Like, yes, you can tell someone to avoid things, but then it's also like, you know, we might not be able to cure G6PD, but we might be able to reduce oxidative stress and give, you know, examples of foods that do the reverse of that um, yeah. and help to manage it. So. 
And for the um, people who are listening in, what are the consequences of oxidative stress? Um, for G6PD? Yeah. Just so like if you, you know, have an encounter with, you know, loads of oxidative stress, what would that look like for you? What are the consequences long-term wise? Okay. So, I mean, obviously worst case scenario, I'm going to the hospital <laughs> because I'm going through hemolysis. Other things that could happen, extreme fatigue, having brain fog for most of the days, okay. um, really, you know, feeling aches yeah. and pains. It really manifests having like gastrointestinal problems sometimes in rare cases. That's probably closer to you need to go to the hospital, to be honest. You know, just really like lethargic. Those are kind of the things that would happen. Um, and that would be the beginning of my red blood cells being like, we're out. Okay. <laughs> and that has not happened, right? It's ha it happened to me when I was younger. When I was when you first got diagnosed. Yeah, okay. that's how I got diagnosed because I had a, an episode of reaction. Okay. But since then, no, we've been fine. Gotcha. Okay. So totally preventable. You just have to find out that you have it. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, that's very insightful. And for a lot of people who are suffering with this, I mean, you are like the only one. So anybody who has G6PD deficiency, definitely get with Brianne. Um, and she'll be on Diet to Share Away or, um, or on her website as well. Wow. Amazing. Anything else that you want to cover? I think we have gone over my whole life story at this point. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I'm okay with it. Definitely yeah. an open book. I guess I would just say this. I feel like humans spend their entire day or moments or seconds or hours trying to figure out why life is the way life is. And I think one of the things that we don't really ask ourselves is like, how do I envision my life? What are the things that I want to be? You know, like we always focus on like what we're doing. Like I do this or I do that, but like, who are you? And like, I feel like despite what you're doing, the concept of knowing who you are is invaluable because even if you take a pay cut at the job or someone tells you you're not a good, you know, person or you do something that maybe you're disappointed in or you have a regret, I think at this point in life, like all of those things are meant to happen, right? Like a life without struggle wouldn't mm -hmm. be a life, yeah. right? But I think one of the things is, is that like, if you are able to fight back with, I might not know what I'm doing, but I know who I'm being. Mm -hmm. That is one of the most powerful moments that anyone can have. And I think, you know, a lot of my unconventional time becoming a dietitian and having all of the different experiences came as a result of knowing somewhere deep down inside that I was limitless. And so at any point when someone was like, you can't do that, <laughs> I was like, okay, but I'm going to do it anyway. So let me do it. <laughs> and I think like that was always like the reliance. And once I was able to like go through this process and really like look at what that looked like for me, 
now it just becomes like it becomes one of those things of just like I don't have to be anything other than who I am today to be valued and anything else that I do is just a representation of who I'm meant to be and so yeah I wake up every morning and I go I'm free like like (laughs) and so I just hope that for everyone um because I think like we really do live in a society that doesn't allow us to have that. And when it box us in. And box us in for good reason. Like imagine how powerful you are in your mm-hmm. authentic being and how that would be scary to the powers that be. Like whatever. Oh, one of the conversations. <laughs> you know, like how, how scary would that be? Like, mm-hmm. and so I think it's just like, realizing that you can find that happiness within yourself and external factors. I mean, that's always going to be there. There's always going to be something that you miss. There's always going to be a mistake that you made. There's, it's always going to be there. Like that's the ebb and flow, but like happiness, like I feel like it's, it's, it's not a destination. Like happiness is a path. It's a pathway and you choose to walk on that pathway um, and it's a hard pathway. I agree. For me, I think it's a meaningful struggle. Oh, I love that. I love that. A meaningful struggle. All right. So let's look at your profile on Dietitian Your Way um, to see your profile. All right. What a beautiful picture. I love that picture. It's me. Yeah, I love this. Okay. So it says, welcome to Eat for Success. Eat for Success is a Black women-owned private nutrition practice that provides personalized nutrition and life coaching services to clients who struggle with eating disorders. We are committed to helping our clients overcome their struggles with food and develop sustainable eating habits and self-love that promote their physical and mental well-being to achieve long-term success. The practice is based on the belief that with proper support, guidance, and education, individuals can recover from their eating disorders or disordered eating and achieve self-love. Love that. All right. Yeah. So communities that you're allied with, your packages and fees, you do accept insurance. Awesome. That's mainly out-of-network benefits, um, but we're working on getting other types of insurance. Awesome. And then you are also in the service areas of New York, Connecticut, and Westchester County and New York. Very cool. Specialties. So you do consulting and you do media and content creation, some private practice, of course. Um, And then you also offer RD to RD services like coaching and social media content creation, social media management. Very, very cool. So if anybody wants to reach out to Brienne, make sure to check her out on Dietitian Your Way. Thank you so much, Brienne, for everything. If you have one piece of advice for dietitians, um, what would that be? Be yourself. Everyone else is taken. Ooh, love that. That should be a sticker. <laughs> it might look. It might. It might be a sticker, right? <laughs> or, or is it a sticker? <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. I love what you're doing. I love the fact that you are embracing authenticity and also helping to spread that message to people in general. Um, I think we need more of that in this world. And just thank you for your support and for sharing yourself with me today, um, sharing about what you're doing with your business. Oh, I'm so happy that you invited me here. I'm so happy that we crossed paths. Yeah. And I am so excited for Dietitian Your Way. Like, I'm so excited for you. And I'm just internally grateful for this opportunity. 
And I hope that if anyone is sitting there like, ooh, I think like I really want to connect with this person, like trust your inner time clock, touch your 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 own self metronome, like you that thought is your intuition saying, I'm ready. I'm ready to be listened to, like I'm ready to to move forward as like more of an authority in your life. I love that. Love it. If um, you guys are listening in on the podcast or on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe. Uh, the podcast is available on Apple and on Podbean as well. And that's pretty much a wrap. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>